Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. You ever let tunes get stuck in your head? Uh, that's uh, that's kind of the way uh, the way it's been after several weeks of listening to that. Uh, we've got uh, two more weeks, but we'll not finish it because uh, uh, and it'll take us three weeks to finish the rest of the series. Because next week, as we've been announcing, we've got the opportunity to have a uh, young lady who received an Operation Christmas Child box when she was living in the Middle East. And she came to Christ, and she's going to be here to give her uh, testimony. So remember, as we've been announcing, next week there's only one service, and it'll be at 9 o'clock, because the only opportunity we had to have her with us is in that time frame. Uh, and then we'll be finished early. You can go eat, and then you go to pray for the hungry. Uh, so remember, bring also food items. There's a box outside uh, to bring for next week, so, be, so we'll be ready for that. Uh, in this series, we've been looking at the plagues in Egypt, and we've been using uh, what happened there in these plagues in Egypt, kind of like an analogy for us to ask ourselves if we're listening to God. Because Pharaoh refused to listen to God's message that Moses brought, saying, let my people go. They, he faces one uh, issue after another, a bunch of negative circumstances hit his life in the life of his nation. And uh, what we've been considering is this, just possibly if you and I refuse to listen to God, our refusal to listen to God will also uh, cause us to face some negative circumstances in our life. Uh, he's had a lot of things happen at this point. You would think, as I've, I've said for a couple of weeks now, at this point, you'd think that he would figure it out, I better listen to what Moses is saying. I better listen to what God is saying because all the water turned to blood. There've been frogs all over the place. There've been gnats all over the place, flies all over the place. Their livestock had died. They broke out with boils upon their body. And then a great hailstorm hit uh, that that just kind of devastated, killed people that were out in the field, animals in the field, uh, you know, broke down all their their vegetation, their crops. And you kind of think by this time, he ought to be listening. Well, what we're going to talk about today is a uh, plague that takes place of locusts. And uh, we don't have the concept here in, in our part of the world uh, what this type of plague looks like. I mean, every, you know, so many years we may have uh, some locusts in some parts and things like that, but not like it happened there. Uh, matter of fact, there are places in the Bible to where the Bible uses locusts as a picture of an invading army. That's how much devastation uh, that locusts could cause in, uh, in that day and time. And as we look at, at Exodus 10, verse 1 through 20, uh, we're going to ask ourselves this question, or are we being bugged by our decisions? Because uh, Pharaoh, in a real literal way, was bugged by his decisions. Moses, once again, has sent in to him and told him to let my people go, let God's people go. And he tells him, if you refuse to do so, there's going to be locusts all over the land. It's going to cover the land you're walking on. It's going to invade your homes, invade your houses. There's going to be so many uh, locusts that it'll be like the sky is dark, almost like the sun can't even shine through. All the vegetation that's left after the hailstorm, all that's going to be eaten. There's not going to be a bit of anything green that's left in all of Egypt. That's the warning that he gives him, but he still refuses to listen to God. And as a result of it, he's going to be in a really, really literal way because he makes a wrong decision. And we'll see as we go through this text, we'll read the verses as we go through the message. Uh, he makes a wrong decision himself. He also makes a wrong decision by listening to the uh, wrong advice, partial advice, that looked like some of his advisors would give him that looked to me like maybe they're a little bit upset with him at this point with Pharaoh uh, because of all the devastation that's happened. And, uh, and instead of him changing and listen to what God is saying. He, his heart just continues to get more and more and more hard. So as we consider this story uh, this morning, let's ask ourselves some questions uh, about whether or not we're being bugged. And we're primarily going to look for some lessons that maybe can help us avoid being emotionally and spiritually bugged by our wrong decisions. You ever had that happen to you? You ever made wrong decisions in your life, bad choices in your life? And it haunts you a little bit, or a whole lot, 
And sometimes not just right afterwards, but you carry it for years. Now, that's what I mean by being bugged, but by our wrong choices, by our wrong decisions. In particular, if we reject what God tells us about something, we can anticipate, especially if we're a believer, because you've got the Holy Spirit in there, you can expect to be bugged by your own decisions. And that's why we need to try and learn some lessons to help us avoid being bugged, or at least minimize how much we're bugged by our wrong decisions in life. Here's the first lesson we can get this morning out of this text. When we're confronted with the undeniable truth of God's word and authority, we need to be sure that we make wise decisions. When we're confronted with the undeniable truth of God, when we're confronted with the undeniable truth of God's words, when we're confronted with the undeniable authority of God, in response to that, we all make wise decisions. Pharaoh is being confronted once again with the truth of God. Moses walks in and said, you let him go or this is going to happen. The locusts are going to come and he's going to do all this devastation. Not only is he being confronted with the undeniable truth and the power and the authority of God in this plague that's about to happen, but in all the plagues that we've looked at repeatedly, Pharaoh is being confronted with the undeniable evidence that God is real and you better listen to what he says. Because each and every time, it happened exactly like Moses warned it would happen. Each and every time, Moses announces a warning to him, and he refuses to listen, exactly what Moses said would take place in the exact fashion that he said it would take place. And the plague even stopped exactly as Moses would say the plague would stop. Now, now guys, think about that in our own nation, in our communities. If we were to see all those plagues that we've looked at so far, and someone had announced, this is what's going to happen, this is exactly when it will begin, and and see it stop exactly when that person said it was going to stop, I just think I might listen to them. How about you? I might think, hey, that kind of gives me some pretty good undeniable evidence that God is real. And I need to make wise decisions when I'm confronted with the truth of God's word and God's authority because of what I've already seen take place. Now, we ought to make wise decisions when we're faced with the undeniable truth of God because in the text we're looking at this morning, The undeniable truth of God is seen in two primary ways in in the plague that's going to take place. And in all the other plagues, really, this happened. The the first undeniable evidence that we have of God being real and God being authoritative, and we need to listen to what God says, is that God gives some signs, some signs. And there are signs, not just in this one, like I said, all the plagues we've looked at. But but there's some signs of God's authority. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart in the heart of his servants. Notice why. That I may show these signs of mine among them. And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord." So God is saying up front, I've hardened Pharaoh's heart in order that I can display my glory through some signs. The the word that's used there in the the Hebrew language uh, here in the Old Testament for signs means this. It talks about a a sense of appearing. It talks about a signal. It talks about a flag, a beacon, a a monument, an omen, and evidence. Now think about that definition of what the word means there in the Hebrew for a moment. It's like a signal's being given or, or a flag's being raised. You see pictures in battle of the flags being raised. Even when a soldier went down who was carrying the flag, someone else stepped up and, uh, and, and picked the flag up and hold it. You've seen that in movies. And you've seen it in photographs and things from war. And that flag is like a rallying point. For, for people to come to when that, when that flag is held up. I, I didn't plan on getting 
into this idea, and I had not even thought about it until now, but sometimes my flesh kicks in while I'm preaching. I hope I don't ever see you disrespect the flag when the Pledge of Allegiance is being played or, or the National Anthem is being played. People died and shed their blood. Nothing else you can respect that, you know. I, I don't go to get a chance to go to professional football games. Probably a good thing right now. I want to kick someone and get them to stand up. <laughs> Run down the sideline, your preacher make national TV because I kick someone, tell them to stand up. But, but, but a flag is that. It's like a rallying point. So, so think about that. It's, it's as though these signs are a rallying point for the people of God. What, what is taking place in these plagues? It's like a beacon, a beacon of light. A, a beacon of light kind of is there to, to guide someone. Like ships coming in from the ocean and, and there's a lighthouse. Out, and that beacon of light goes out to, to guide someone through dangerous waters, through dangerous territory. All, all these signs that God has given to his people are things that they'd be able to remember to be like a guiding light for them in their future. Of, of what God had, had done. It's like a monument. And to me, it's a strange thing uh, that this word here is being used when we're talking about Egypt, because Egypt has a lot of monuments, don't they? Can't find Pharaoh anywhere. <laughs> but there are a lot of monuments that they built. God is building a monument to himself for his people to remember throughout their days that he defeated the strongest nation on the planet in that day and time and led his people, a bunch of slaves, free. That's the monument that he's erecting for them. It's an omen for them. In other words, they themselves need to pay attention to what God has done, to his, to his plagues, to his power, his authority. It's evidence for them of who God is and how great God is. And, and then he said, I'm giving these signs that you may tell about it, that you may score with, with a mark or tally up a record to inscribe, to enumerate, to recount, to, to, to celebrate. So if you think about all that that, that gives us a, a picture of and to, to get some illustration from those words, God's giving these, these huge signals. God's letting his people know by as though he's raising this large bright flag that, that's been erected as a rallying point. He's given this beacon uh, of light to guide them in their future where they will remember what God has done for them. He's erecting a large monument through their freedom that God provides for them. It's an omen for them. It's an evidence for them. It was for Pharaoh and for the Egyptians, but it was also for God's own people because God said, I want you to talk about this. I want you to tell it. I want you to celebrate it. I want you to enumerate it. I want you to share it in the future. I want you to tell your children about it. I want you to tell your grandchildren about it. It wasn't just a sign for Egypt. It was a sign for his own people to where they could pass down the story and they could share the story of what God had done for them. It's like they were tallying a score. Here's the score, by the way, at the end of this plague taking place. God 10, Pharaoh 0. That's the score. A little bit better score than the Panthers have been putting up. God 10 and Pharaoh 0. He, he said, I want you to remember this. I want you to celebrate this. I want you to enumerate this, recount this. I, I want you to retell this. I want you to celebrate this. These signs are for the purpose of God's own people knowing that he's the Lord. And they're to take what God has done for them into their future and share it with their children. And you might be thinking, well, oh, that's nice for them and everything, but you know, what about us? Here's what about us. God's given us a sign by putting his own son on a cross. Nailed to a cross to show us exactly how much he loves us, how much he cares for us. That's God's sign. That's God's flag. That's God's monument that he's built for us. If you want a monument for how much God loves you and for the activity of God in this world, look to the cross of Calvary. That's a monument that's been erected for all history. And especially those of us who come to Christ by faith, we're to retell it. We're to share it with our children and our grandchildren. We're to enumerate it. We're to celebrate it. It's to be something we're to focus upon in our lives 
So we need to remember this. That it just maybe we will focus upon the great signs of God and respond correctly to his signs and his authority. If we'll keep that in our mind, just maybe we won't be bugged as much by our wrong choices. Because if we're keeping in mind the power of God, the authority of God, the word of God, the choices that God has provided for us, if we'll keep that in our mind, that ought to help us avoid making wrong choices that will bug us in our guilt, emotionally and spiritually on the other side of the choices. But not just the signs that God gives us. There's something else here. There's signs of God's authority that we see here in this text, but there's also words of God's authority. We ought, we ought to respond to the signs of God, but we ought to respond to the words of God. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord. You see that? That ought to be the defining factor of the decisions that we make in our lives. Thus says the Lord. Not what my emotions are saying to me. Not what my personal desires are saying to me. Not what my culture is saying to me. Not what Hollywood is saying to me. Not what the news media is saying to me. I need to base my decisions if I know Christ is my Savior. And you need to base your decisions because Christ is your Savior upon thus saith the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. And then he goes on to tell him, he gives him this warning. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail storm. In other words, anything that was left out in the fields. And they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field. And they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. We, we need to respond to the signs. God was giving signs to Pharaoh and to his own people of his authority. And we need to bear that in mind as we make our decisions. But we also need to bear this in mind as we make our decisions, that God has spoken. That God has a clear word for us if we'll take time to look for it. Moses walks in and he tells Pharaoh, either you let him go or this is what's going to happen. Same scenario that we've had in all these plagues. He's giving him the word of God. He's telling him, this is what God says is going to take place. If you don't let my people go. And he's warning him again. And he's letting him know everything is going to take place. How all these insects, all these, all this locust will come out across the whole land and cover the land and eat everything that's green. He's giving him clear warnings. In particular, he, he warned Pharaoh for his pride and failure to humble himself before God. He even took time to point that out. He says, God's saying, how long are you going to fail to humble yourself before me? Look at what I've already displayed to you. Look at all my other signs. Look at all the other words I've given you. And yet you still refuse to humble yourself. He's saying, how long are you going to keep doing that? How long are you going to be lifted up in your pride? How long are you keep refusing my, my word and face the consequences that you're facing in your life, in your nation, because you're refusing to accept my word? That's the message that he's given to Pharaoh. And, and he shared God's words with Pharaoh. And, and to me, it's, a, it's funny how, maybe not funny, but I think we need to pay attention to how, how it's phrased there in, in this particular plague. Moses walks in and he, and he, tells, he tells Pharaoh what's going to happen. No arguing with him. No debating about it. He simply goes in and he says, this is what God has said. And then some of you, if you keep up a little bit with culture and stuff and advertisements and stuff these days and everything, there's this phrase of dropping the mic and walking off like you, you've, already, you've done what you're supposed to do. You did a good job doing it. I'm not going to drop it because if I do, John will fuss at me because I might damage it. 
But, but that's a picture of, of, of like what Moses did. He goes in and he tells Pharaoh exactly what's going to happen and he drops the mic and he walks on stage. He's not going to stand there and debate with him. He's not going to argue with him or anything like that about it. He simply shares the truth of God's word and he turns around and, and he walks away. So if you and I are going to minimize being bugged about our decisions, we need to respond to the, to the signs of God and to the word of God. God has great signs he's given us. He's given us the sign of Jesus on the cross. He's given us multiple signs about his power and his authority, proving to us that he's God. But you see, I'm of the opinion we don't necessarily even need the signs as long as we've got God's word. If God said it, he means it. <laughs> and we need to apply the word of God to our lives. And if we'll apply the word of God to our lives when we're confronted with the undeniable evidence and the truth of God, if we'll apply it to our lives, I would submit to you that will minimize the guilt that we have. That would minimize us walking around being bugged about our decisions. If we would apply the word of God to our life. Second lesson we can learn today is this. That can help us minimize being bugged about our wrong decisions in, in our life. When we're provided with the wrong advice from others, we need to remember what God said. When we're provided with the wrong advice of others, we need to remember what God said. Look at verse 7 through 9. Then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? You see, they're sick and tired of Moses showing up. <laughs> they don't like what happens when Moses shows up. They don't like the way their lifestyle is being tampered with. They don't like all the, the, the plagues that's been hit in their land and how it's affecting their lifestyle and, and their economics and, and, and the nation. So they come to Pharaoh, and, and, and don't you remember something? They viewed him kind of like he was a god. So it's almost like they're being pretty bold here. And, and they say, how long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Look at the way they phrase this to him. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Pharaoh, we, you're supposed to be... Like a God to us, but if you remember the Pharaoh that's in charge right now is around 22 years old. Remember me telling you that a couple weeks ago? It's like they're telling him, don't you get this? Don't you understand? Don't you see what's taking place? Don't you see how our land's being devastated? Why don't you do something about it? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go serve the Lord your God. But which ones are to go? Now, now let me ask you a question. Had not Moses already told them what God had said? He didn't say part of us are going. A few of us are going. He, he said that you're supposed to let all of my people go. Go serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds. We must hold a feast to the Lord. Now, this isn't even a point or a thought I put in the sermon today, but it comes to mind as I read that. That gives us a pretty good pattern for what we ought to do in our lives. You need to chase after God and worship God, and you need to take your whole family with you and all that you are and all your possessions and everything else, and you need to chase after God. You, you need to worship Him. You need to take your, your sons and your daughters, your little ones, go all in with it. But the main point I wanted you to get here was this. God had already said, let all my people go. 
Pharaoh has these people come to him and say, don't you understand what's taking place? Look at all the devastation. Look what's happened to our land. Pharaoh, don't you get it? Don't you see this? Why won't you do something about it? Just tell them to go ahead and take the men with them. Let the men go with them. Let them go in, in, in worship. Let the men go. The Pharaoh listens to his servants of his advisors and he brings Moses in and he says how many is going how many is going to go and serve God and Moses says everyone everyone the point I make and I want to remind you of the point here's simply the point When other people give you advice that is wrong advice or partial advice, you need to remember what God said. I don't care how good of a friend you might think that person is to you. How much of a buddy you might think that person is to you. If they're telling you to do something other than what God says, it's the wrong thing and you need to listen to God. Amen? I don't care if it's your son or your daughter, your husband or your wife. I don't care who it is. If someone is telling you to go against what the Word of God says, you need to listen to what God says. If someone gives you partial information, that's really popular in the day that we live in because there are plenty of people wanting to give partial truth of God's Word, and yet they don't want to give you all of God's Word. If someone gives you the partial truth of God's Word because they're trying to hedge their bets to where they can kind of live the way they want to live and they're just focusing on the partial truth of God's word and someone gives you the partial truth of God's word don't listen to them listen to God's word because if we will listen to God's word in spite of what the world is telling us in spite of what our friends may be telling us if we'll listen to God's word and apply it to our lives we can minimize being bugged about our own decisions we we can minimize walking around with, with guilt all over our world that we, that we face. Everywhere we go, we, we seem to, to face guilt. Number three, we need to do this. Third lesson that can help us minimize the uh, bugs of our decisions, the guilt of our decisions, would be this. When making decisions in your life concerning God's Word, avoid prideful reactions. Avoid prideful reactions. Look at verse 10 and 11, and you'll see a very prideful reaction by Pharaoh. But he said to them, right after Pharaoh had asked, who's going? And Moses said, everybody, our livestock, everything. But he said to them, he said to Moses and Aaron, the Lord be with you if ever I let you and your little ones go. He says, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. No, go, the men among you, and serve the Lord. For that is what you're asking. You see, but that's not what they're asking. God has said everybody to go. And then notice how he reacts. Notice what he does. They, meaning Moses and Aaron, they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. When when he says this to Moses... Some theologians believe it was like it was blasphemy. He was, the, the way the words are used there, it's like he was blaspheming God. It, it almost looks like when we read it, it here in an English translation, it almost makes it look like that he's saying, well, the Lord be with you, Moses. That, that's not what he was saying. To, to me, whether it was a, a, a blasphemy or not, the way he phrased this in that day and time, he at least was saying this. He was saying, Moses, you better hope I don't ever have to let all of them go. Because if I have to ever let all of them go, you better hope God is with you. Because I tell you what, Pharaoh, I'm coming after you. Or Moses, I'm coming after you. If I have to let all the little ones go, all the women, all the children, instead of just the men, Moses, I'm giving you a warning. If that happens, God better be with you. God better be on your side. He better protect you. Because I'm going to pay you back for all the little ones leaving and then in a really really harsh prideful type manner after he tells him that he's like he says get out of here get out of my presence no go take the men with you 
And then he has Moses and Aaron chased out of his presence. That gives me a mental image of this. Sometimes you and I may not like when we're confronted with the truth of God's word. We may not like when someone confronts us, the person that confronts us with the truth of God's word. But we need to be careful that we don't respond in the wrong way. We better be careful we don't get lifted up in our own pride, in our own haughtiness, and respond in negative ways and wrong ways and harsh ways to someone else. Because when we do that, when we respond harshly to God's truth, when we reject it in such a way as we see Pharaoh here, when we treat other people in the wrong way as he had Moses and Aaron just chased out of his presence, when we react like that, We'll have a whole lot of bugs showing up to bug our conscience. Have you ever done that? Have you ever reacted the wrong way? Man, I have. I'll be honest with you. Well, but you're a preacher. I'm human. We've got uh, we've got outside. I think it's, I know it's in the bulletin that I, I think maybe it was mentioned in the announcements. I didn't get to see all the video announcements. But uh, used to we had magnets that we'd give people that would say day three church. And those magnets get kind of nasty and grimy and dust underneath them. I might scratch your paint and stuff like that later. Well, Brandy, uh, you can't really see it right now because it's against the white. But she's made a, a, a peel-off decal where you peel this off, put it on your window, peel it away. Or if you want to peel on your paint, you can. won't hurt your paint. You, know, you can peel it off. And it says day three church on it. So we've got those available out there on the table to where you can put it up. And, you know, when people see you... Um, you're like advertising for our church wherever you go. And that can be a good thing, uh, but it can also be a bad thing. <laughs> Somehow we react the wrong way, don't we? I'm bad to get frustrated in traffic sometimes. And, and Becky will remind me, now, you need to remember there's a day three sticker on the back of our bed. <laughs> and I'm just, I mean, I'm. I, I, well, I'm not joking that she does that, but I'm I am just using that as an illustration to point out, if we're not careful, we can react the wrong way, in, in harsh ways. Toward God's truth or toward other people, when we do that, on the other side of it, if you've got any Christian conscience at all, you're going to be like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. And you worry about it, won't you? That, that's what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here. We can minimize being bugged about our decisions if we'll be careful that we don't respond to the truth of God in a harsh way or treat others in a harsh way. Last lesson we need to learn is this. Last lesson that can help us avoid being bugged by our wrong decisions is that when we're making decisions in our life, we need to remember their consequences. When we make decisions in our lives, we need to remember that there are consequences. It's a consequence that might just affect you, but it might affect other people. There, there's some major consequences taking place in Egypt because of the decision that Pharaoh's making. And a lot of times we'll delude ourselves into believing, well, you know, my decision is my decision is not really going to hurt anybody else. A couple of years ago, I was kind of going through this with a family and trying to talk some sense into this guy. And, and he even said, well, you know, it's, I, I, it, it's my decision that I'm making. And, and I was trying to tell him about how it was going to hurt his children because he's leaving his wife. And, and he more or less even verbalized it. Oh, they'll be okay. I wish sometimes I could put my police officer uniform back on because I want to reach across the table and just... They're not going to be okay. I mean, we wake up. Your, your, your decision that you're making is going to affect your family. It's going to affect other people. There can be far-reaching consequences to our decisions. And the ones that Pharaoh's making in Egypt right now had pretty much devastated the land. 
That, that's why I don't have any tolerance for, for people to say, especially in the news media report, well, someone's private life and their public life, you know, when it comes to holding public office needs to be two different things. No! Their private life will dictate the way they also live their public life. It will spill over. You, you can't put a wall between a person's private life and their public life. You couldn't do it with Pharaoh. His decision spilled over and affected the whole nation. And as we get ready to close the message here in a minute, my last argument, my, my, my last lesson out of this passage of Scripture for us today to consider is simply this. We need to remember when we make decisions in our life, there are consequences. See, those consequences will cause our, our, our minds to be bugged. Those consequences will, will affect the way we live our life. It will affect the, the way we carry guilt in our lives. Verse 10 through 15, then the Lord said to Moses, remember what happened? Pharaoh just rejected everything that was being said and he chased Moses off. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts as has never been seen before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land. In other words, wherever you walk, you couldn't really see the dirt or the vegetation, or the grass, or anything like that, the sand underneath your feet because there's so many locusts. They covered the whole face of the land so that the land was darkened. So the, the land was made dark, but I, most theologians believe he's saying this also. There were so many in the sky that you couldn't really see the sun shining through. And they ate all the plants of the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained it's like there's not anything that looks like it has life in it still not a green thing remained neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt Pharaoh rejected God's truth and it brought very negative consequences into his life in his nation and when we reject God's word, rejecting God's word and God's warnings will do the very same thing. It'll bring very negative consequences in your life. P picture what was just described there, but I want you to view it in an emotional picture. Not just a physical picture of locusts being all over the place, but I want you to view it in a, in, in, just in, 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 your, in your mind. Maybe the way you felt like in your own life or the way I felt like at times in my own life. Our wrong decisions can so haunt us. And to me, this reminds me a little bit of the plague of the frogs. Remember, wherever you go, there are frogs on the land. In your bed, you can't get away from frogs. You can't get away from the locusts. Everywhere you walk, there, there's locusts there. But what I want you to get a picture of is this. When we have made wrong decisions and we've rejected the truth of God's word, and we're being bugged by our decisions, we can get under such a dark shadow of guilt that wherever we walk in our lives, wherever we step, it's like we're, we're reminded we're being bugged by the wrong decisions we've made. Wherever we go, wherever we look, we're, we're being reminded of the wrong decisions we've made. We, we go in our homes and, and maybe try and get some relief, like... I said when I was preaching on the frogs that Sunday, but you go in your home and there, the locusts were all over the home is what the Bible said there, inside their homes. So wherever you go for a place of refuge in your life, you're going there for a place of refuge, but you really can't find refuge and peace because you're being bugged by your own decisions. 
It's like your own decisions follow you everywhere you go. And it's almost like the sun can't even shine on your life. Like you can't see any daylight in, in your life because you're being bugged constantly by the wrong decisions that you've made in your life. It's like the locusts have come into your life and they've eaten every bit of life. Every green thing out of your life. And if we're not careful, we can get under such a cloud of guilt in our lives that it's like the wrong decisions we're being bugged with sucks the very life out of us. And there's not anything beautiful, anything green, anything growing. All you feel is just mental devastation wherever you go. You ever been there? I think I have a couple of times in my life to where because of my own decisions, everywhere I looked, it was there. And I'm being reminded constantly of my own decisions. That's a consequence of wrong decisions. Wrong decisions in our life will, will bring consequences. When we reject God's warnings, the warnings that have been given here, God had warned in advance to Pharaoh, this is what will happen if you don't let my people go. And he refused it and he rejected it. And because he refused it and he rejected it, all of a sudden the whole land's evaded by these locusts. And in our lives, when we continue to reject God's word and say no to God's word and no to God's truth, if we're not careful, we'll be walking around being bugged emotionally and spiritually by our own decisions. Another consequence is this, and we've seen this happen over and over again in Pharaoh's life. We can also see the consequences of insincere repentance in this story. Verse 16 and 20 tell us this. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said to them, does this sound familiar? Remember last week? I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, forgive my sin. And notice the way this is phrased. Please, only this once. And plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. Have you ever done that in your own life? God, I've screwed up again, but God, will you, will you please just one more time? God, will you please just once more? God, I, I, I'm in a mess again. God, I, I, I sinned against you. I, I rejected what your word said. God, I sinned against you. I'm, I'm in a mess again. God, please just, just one more time. Take this away from me. Help me with this mess that I'm in. So he went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. Moses did. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind. It wasn't an east wind. So like there's a, a reversal taking place. You see that in the scripture? which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. Sounded a little bit like repentance. God, I've sinned. God, please, just one more time. And God brought a reversal from the west wind, what the east wind brought in. God brings a reversal and the west wind, takes it away. But Pharaoh's heart gets harder again. And he didn't let the people go. It's like on the other side of him saying, God, just one more time, when he saw the locusts were gone, it's like he thought to himself, okay. I pulled that one off. Now, I'm, I'm, 
God, I know, I, I know what I said, but God, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to let your people go. See, everything's okay right now. And I know I told you what I'd do, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Now, you might not have said that in a similar way with your voice to God. But regrettably, we've said it many times with our actions to God. When we ask God one more time, please, just one more time, and we make promises to God, and then on the other side of it, we act like we didn't promise Him anything. That's the consequences of an insincere repentance. Here's what insincere repentance does. Insincere repentance is like it puts you on a constant merry-go-round. Of getting in trouble, asking for God's help, and just going right back into trouble. Over and over and over and over and over again. And you face more and more and more and more negative problems in your life. And you have more and more and more and more things to bug your conscience. That's why we need to avoid insincere repentance. Insincere repentance has the consequences of a heart that by degrees becomes harder and harder, colder and colder. So, do your decisions in life ever bug you? Do your choices, your wrong choices that you made in life ever bug you? Bug your mind, bug your conscience. Have you refused to listen to God? And because you refuse to listen to God, you, you face these consequences, and it seems like everywhere you walk, you can't escape the guilt. It seems like no matter where you go, you're being bugged by your bad decisions. Emotionally and spiritually, wherever you go, you feel like the locust is just consuming the very life out of you. Your decisions are, are taking away everything that's green and everything that's beautiful and everything that's wonderful in your life. And it's like you can't enjoy anything because you're being bugged by those old decisions. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you're probably being bugged a whole lot <laughs> with your life. And with your choices. Thank God he's given us a sign. We talked about signs earlier. He's given us a sign. He loves you so much that he put his son on a cross. Not because you deserved it, but because of his grace. He put his son on a cross. He loves you so much he gives you warnings in advance of what's going to happen one day. In a way of judgment. He loves you so much that he gives you his words. Words of his love. Words of his promises. That if you'll trust Christ as your Savior, all of those wrong decisions are paid for and gone forever under the blood of Jesus. See, the cross of Jesus is like that east wind, west wind type thing. The east wind of Adam and the east wind of our choices has brought upon all this devastation upon our lives to where we're bugged and we're guilty and consumed with all of our own choices. But the west wind of God's grace, of all of that sin being placed upon Jesus and his blood being shed to take away all of that sin, the west wind of God's grace reverses the guilt that was there before. So this morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why keep walking around seeing the locusts all over the land? Why keep being bugged everywhere you go? You can't even lay down or get up in the morning without being bugged and worried about your past choices. Why walk around worrying about what if somebody finds out what I've done? 
God's already found out. He already knows. And Jesus paid for it on the cross. Amen? So if you don't know him as your Savior, why not trust in him today? And if you do know him already as your Savior, you see, just because we know him, that's no guarantee. We're still human. That doesn't mean we live a perfect life. We shouldn't try to sin. We shouldn't purposely make wrong choices, but sometimes we do. But thank God, because of Jesus, we don't have to be constantly bugged about our wrong choices. Amen? Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray if there's someone here that does not know Christ as Savior, I I pray first of all, Father, if they're not under conviction, I pray you would bug them about their choices. I pray you would bring guilt upon their lives to where they'd understand what they've done before you and their need of your forgiveness. But Father, today, if there's someone at that point in this place, someone that's walking around being bugged by all of their own decisions, Father, I, I pray you help them to understand that you can reverse it all if they'll believe in Jesus. You've given them a sign, a flag, an omen, a beacon of light that you care, that you love, us by putting your son on a cross and he took his life back up on the third day to show that he that he won the victory for us father you've given us huge signs about how much you love us and there's someone here that doesn't know that love in a personal way in the forgiveness that you offer in christ i pray you help them with their guilty conscience today so they won't have to be bugged by it any longer and father that they can can find a reversal in the grace that you offer in Jesus. Lord, those of us that already know you, we admit that we're human. We admit that we're imperfect. We admit that we fall. We admit that we fail. Father, when that happens, help us to turn to you in repentance, not for salvation, but for for a restoration of our fellowship with you. Father, if there's anyone here today that feels like their fellowship with you is broken and, and they're being... They're being bugged by decisions they've made that are opposite that you would have had them to make in their lives. Father, help them also during this time as a believer to just have that that full fellowship restored with you by repenting of whatever it is that you can take the locust away. Father, deal with our hearts right now. We'll be careful to thank you for whatever you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand and come as God speaks to your heart. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.